0: Girl, can you please tell the people how many times I've called you at 10 in the morning sobbing my eyes out?
1: It was 9.30. It was once. It was today. It was about this very documentary. When I tell you, you I was like, you just need to tell me what's wrong. I, I was, like, I what? know, I was I like, what's wrong? What's wrong? But well, you couldn't <laughs> breathe. I was like, what is it? What is it? You were like, documentary. I was like, I know, but you picked it. Also, I do have to say, you look great. Usually oh, yeah? when I have a full day of oh, sobbing, yeah. the face is puppy. J- I don't know what you're doing. You look <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs>
0: Hi, Julia Bezzovali. Hello, Patrick Hines. Oh. You guys, we have so much news. Okay, a couple things. Come see us at Obsessed Fest. Yes. It is September 30th to October 2nd in Columbus, Ohio. It's a full family weekend. TCO live show, OWD live show, more live shows to be added. Jillian, me, Joey, Ellen, adding other hosts from the network, other hosts from not on the network, doing panels and meetups and live shows. It's going to be crazy. Did you take it? I think
1: that was one take, one
0: breath. (laughs) Are you excited to go to Columbus?
1: Thrilled. I truly am. I'm going to do karaoke in Columbus for the first time.
0: We're going to do karaoke on the main stage. It's going to be bananas. On the main stage? Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And Joey, can, have you ever heard Joey sing?
1: I know. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know what? I'm going to do it anyway. I know. I, mean, I think yeah. the world is wide enough. We're all singing. We're all having a good, damn, a good goddamn time.
0: Also, come see us on tour, you guys. We're hitting Boston, Seattle, Chicago, and Los Angeles. Yep. A lot of the shows are almost sold out, so please get your tickets. We're playing Broadway on April 11th. Right. We are sold out. If you have tickets and you cannot make it, please get to the pinned post in the Facebook group and give your tickets or sell your tickets to somebody who wants to go. There's hundreds of people looking for tickets.
1: Yeah. And we're going to try to make sure we have a standby line the day of so if yes. you're in town head by the Helen Hayes theater we're yes. gonna make sure that every single seat is I built. mean
0: I told Steve if I look out there in the first two minutes and I see a single empty seat I'm walking it's off over stage. we're it's gonna over.
1: burn down the Helen Hayes theater <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> and get arrested All right, girl, what are we talking about today? We're talking about Adrienne on HBO Max.
0: Oh, my God, you guys. If you've seen Waitress on Broadway, it's based on a movie called Waitress, which this woman wrote and co-starred in. Yeah. I knew the story of the murder. I did not know like the rest of the story, yeah. and I spent my entire day crying.
1: Yeah, so this is, I mean, really a love letter by Adrian's husband yeah. and her friends and family. Her husband is named Andy, and it's about her life and then also about the murder, and we get... like. Like deep into the relationship with her husband and like yeah. the relationship that they have and all yeah there's a lot
2: i went to bed that night the luckiest guy alive by the next night i was living the worst nightmare imaginable
0: police in manhattan tonight are investigating
2: the mysterious death of a 40-year-old actress adrian shelley was found dead in her west village office last night it was shelley's husband andy ostroy who found her
1: the actress found hanging in a bathroom of her manhattan office likely committed suicide Shelly leaves behind a three-year-old daughter.
2: There was no way Adrian killed herself. Suicide simply wasn't possible. She was the happiest I'd ever seen her. I set out on a journey to find out what really happened that day and to make sure Adrian would never be forgotten, especially for Sophie.
0: So, we open on Halloween 2006, and Andy, the husband, has this amazing line, which is something to the effect of, like, every worst day has an amazing day that happened right before. This home video from this Halloween party was shot 24 hours before this woman was murdered.
1: Now, my not-a-motherness is going to show a lot.
0: (laughs) That's In I mean. this, yeah. Did you sob all the way through this? I did. Oh, you did okay. Because I was going to say that would be the first
1: place to start. Well, no, well, but it's a Halloween party, and I just went. lot of kids, I know. lots of kids at this Halloween party. But everyone's having a great time. I, this is not my kind of party. okay. <laughs>
0: We learned that Adrian and Andy's daughter is Sophie, and she's like three, I think, at this Halloween she's party. Three. We at one point, Adrian in the home movie takes this stick and starts to beat this pinata, but because of the way it's cut, for just a second, it looks like she's beating her
1: daughter. Yeah, and at one point, and Adrian's like super funny yes. and smart, and she, yeah. at one point, she's like, "Sophie, are you hammered?" Because Sophie's, just, you know, little three year olds, they're yeah, still kind of like trying totally. their footing, so it's just a lot of really like beautiful moments, and I'm like, well, fuck Great.
0: Before we get too much into it, we should just say, like, this woman, Adrienne Shelley, is the kind of woman that we would be best friends with.
1: Yeah. Like, Paul Rudd is here. Yeah. Carrie Russell is yeah. here.
0: Really cool people. Fucking Jesse Mueller is here. Hi, Broadway. Sarah Bareilles is here. It's a Sarah
1: Bareilles <laughs> soundtrack, which is I like, did we I tell know. you to pull the fuck over? Get out. Don't even leave your house, honestly. For what are you this doing?
0: One. You guys are going to have to call in sick for the rest what of the week. What
1: are you doing operating heavy machinery? <laughs> What is happening?
0: But at the end of this, like, little opening, Andy, the husband, I want to call him Mark, but that's not his name.
1: No, it's Andy. It's Andy. His name's Andy. It's Andy. It's, like, definitely yeah. not a Mark. Definitely not Mark. No. I don't I, think there's a Mark in no. sight in this whole thing. <laughs> Actually. But Andy says,
2: I went to bed that night, the luckiest guy alive. By the next night, I was living the worst nightmare imaginable
1: and we're gonna go back and forth between like him trying to find the truth about Adrian's murder and also just her real I mean it sounds cheesy but like rising star because that's exactly what was happening
0: and that's the thing like I think one of the criticisms of the documentary is that it's a little overly emotional and that's because it was written and produced and directed by her fucking husband
1: right, like of course it's yeah. going to be and her daughter's in it exactly. who's a teenager now her mother her best friends like it's a little dear zachary s yes
0: and I, for the record Andy if you're listening I love the documentary I just need to to watch it over like five days. Right. Not over the course of four hours while I took notes on it. And then discuss it. Right. (laughs) In front
1: of all of you lovely people.
0: So we see all this news footage about the discovery of Adrienne's body in her office building down in the village. Police in Manhattan tonight are investigating the mysterious death of a 40-year-old actress. Adrienne Shelley was found dead in her West Village office last night. They describe her as a forty-year-old actress. She was so much more than that. I know,
1: like the forty-year-old blonde actress. I know. Can we not? I know.
0: They like said some news director made them take out the word petite. Uh, yeah,
1: you uh, know like what I mean? size two. Right. Blonde, exactly. Like oh oh she's forty. Are we even covering it? She's forty. <laughs> Cheryl. She's forty. That's the male news reporter Slow all the same. Bob, we got nothing else. Oh, uh, she's a, uh, this decrepit forty-year-old. I say decrepit to de- like Just, fuck off.
0: I know. I know. Tom, but we also that she was found hanging in her bathroom, in her office building. But we also learned that her husband, Andy, who's making this documentary, is the one who fucking found her.
1: They were supposed to meet up. Well, we'll get into yes. that.
0: But also, the news is reporting it as a likely suicide.
1: Yeah. And so then we cut to New York City, May 2019. Waitress is on Broadway.
2: So this whole area, when you come here, it just feels like Waitress headquarters. I love the success of it and what it means for her and her legacy but then I'm just immediately transported to, she's not here to see it, she's not here to experience it.
0: This is another thing that just makes me sob. We both know a lot of people who were in Waitress. Like, it's like seeing Broadway celebrated in a documentary is kind of amazing. And I was like, thank you for sharing the Shoshana Bean poster. She was like the 15th Jenna, but I love her. I know, and I
1: was like, this is someone we know is going to be in this documentary. Like, someone we really know. And what he's saying is it's really sad to him that Adrian can't see the major success of this musical based on her film. And so Andy does this thing where he's talking to people. Like the lines for a waitress are around the block, yes. right? Like they all are to get into theaters because yeah. the whole process of getting into these teeny tiny Broadway <laughs> theaters we got to work on it. we got to figure it out, I know. I'm getting emails of, like, when to show up. If you're in row A through F, show up 15 (laughs) minutes. Like, it's all. It's gotten worse. It's gotten
0: really bad. Go to a show. That said, everyone go to a fucking show.
1: Please stand there and and take in the wonder of Times Square. But so he's on the street, and he's asking the people standing in line to get into Waitress.
2: I'm making a documentary about Adrienne Shelley. Do you know who she
0: is? Uh, I can see her name right there. Uh, It's based upon the movie. Yes. But if, you did, I if I did that, do you know who she is. No, I know. Do you know who she is?
1: I do
2: not.
1: Uh, no. Uh,
2: no. Many people who come see the
0: show don't just don't know who Adrian is.
1: And everyone is like, no. Except for the
0: one queen who's like, um, I can see her name on the marquee right there. And so Andy's trying to say, and again, as the Which, husband. Which, by the way, I was convinced I knew that guy. I was like, too. did we date? Who are you? Five, six, seven,
1: eight. Cut to the Facebook group. He's like, that's me. <laughs> Girls. Right. And he's saying, like, that's really sad that no one knows who she is. And I understand as the husband, but, like, who wrote The Lion King? The right. Disney movie. Like, you right. could do that exactly. with any major thing. Like, who wrote the movie Beauty and the Beast? Nobody, Nobody knows. knows
0: who writers are. I was saying to you earlier, I feel like 50 percent of the people wouldn't know who wrote Hamilton. Right. You know. <laughs> so we see this old interview with Adrienne Shelley and she's with us in the documentary in old home movies.
1: I wrote Waitress when I was about eight months pregnant with Sophie and I was really scared about having a baby. I just couldn't imagine what my life was going to be after I had a baby. I thought it was going to change so drastically that I wasn't even going to recognize myself anymore. I was terrified. The actual fear of how your life is going to change is not spoken about. So I, I wanted to write a movie about those fears and, you know, give those fears a voice.
0: And so she was saying, I wanted to write a movie where somebody was pregnant and knew they were going to have the baby and knew they were going to love it, but they were also really scared about what that would mean for them. And
1: Carrie Russell, well, I was like, Oh my god, Carrie Russell! <laughs> oh my god, like, I but she said she was like she gave like real female feelings a voice, and I yeah. think we hear that a lot. Sarah Bareilles says it, Cheryl Hines says it. So I was just thinking, like, that's why all of her films that she made sort of resonated because they are really normal things that yes. sometimes are either uncomfortable to talk about or you feel like you can't say it. Yeah, I can imagine women not being able to say like one I kind of love being away from my kids or two totally I wanna, I'm gonna love this thing when it comes out of me but god damn it I'm afraid I'm afraid
0: and she said it's a love letter to my baby and that was the first time I like head in my hands heaving breath breathing right 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 this is a hard one for me as a fellow mother <laughs> this is a hard one for me to watch and so like well, everyone too. is here to be like she was so incredible all the women who are involved in the Broadway show Jesse Mueller is here Sarah Brellis. they're all just saying like she was a feminist icon she was a real maverick. Yeah. Let the women do the fucking work. Fuck yeah. Even Paul Rudd. I'm like, holy shit. Paul Rudd is here. <laughs> Paul know. Rudd drop
1: the skincare routine in the DMs. <laughs> <I know>. Ageless. <laughs> well, who does he have secrets on? Paul Rudd has the secrets of the universe. He is ageless. He really is. How
0: old is he, do you think? Uh,
1: 28. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> if he's a day. And he's all—he's just a very nice I have it on good authority. I've never met Paul Rudd but yeah. I have it on very good authority that he's just the coolest The nicest dude. guy. He has like a karaoke space in his house. Like he's a very cool, laid-back guy. So I can imagine him being like, oh, talk about my amazing friend and how wonderful she is. Absolutely, I will.
0: So we're with Andy, and he's saying...
2: November 1st started out in, in a really fortunate way. I got to spend a lot of time with her that morning in a way that I normally wouldn't have. And I was really happy that day.
0: And I guess like anybody who's like a couple with a young kid or whatever, mornings are very hectic. A lot of times somebody has to leave before the other one. Like, right. Steve and I and Daisy are together every single morning, but it's a hurricane.
1: Right. And he says they were together in the apartment until 9.15 a.m., which for busy days yes. with school and work, nine is late. 9.15 is late. What he's saying is they kind of had the whole morning in yeah. some ways. And then he says he's going to drop her down at the office in the West Village. And the I just want to say, this office, it's one of those weird places on yes. the West Side where it's like five corners intersecting.
0: And that's because... Because especially in the West Village, it was all farmland, and that's how the streets were carved. They followed yeah. the borders of people's property. It's crazy. Right. It's
1: right near like the duplex and all that kind yeah. of stuff.
0: I love that you had to bring it to the duplex, you queen. <laughs> the duplex is like the best skate
1: <laughs> I know. And like where Gay Street is, my friend used to live yes. on Gay Street. Yes. Like it's all it's not thing. named
0: for the gays, by the way, named for Sydney Island gay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you think I'm not like the number one fucking West Village historian? I
1: love that you just threw in farmland, like we <laughs> <you> were gonna. <laughs> If, if, you, if you're not pulling over for the heartbreak, right. pull over for Patrick schooling us about the
0: farmland wait, of the West Village. Let me tell you one more thing about Gay Street. Gay Street is just like actual, it's like a right angle, and it's right near Stonewall. And yeah. it's only because of Gay Street that the gays were able to overtake the cops at Stonewall the night of the riot because the cops didn't know the layout of the neighborhood, and the gays did. So the gays would like circle around Gay Street and then come out behind the cops. Yeah, it gays over, are smart.
1: It looks like a fake LA lot city block because it's true. It, you can film a lot of stuff there. And, and too. they do. And yeah, they do, yeah, and it's yeah.
0: uh, go to K Street, everybody. The way you
1: looked at me, you queen. <laughs> like it's an insult when I come out as bi and I'm all bitchy. Oh, I forgot, Jesus. Like I haven't been sneaking into the duplex since I was brace-faced and frizzy-haired. Come on.
0: So Andy, that morning, drops her off. you ever had these moments with Mike where, like, you kind of watch him longer than you normally would? Yes. And it stands out to you, yep. you know? Like, that's what he's saying. It's like, I watched her go into the office, and I was just kind of like, huh, my yes. life is amazing, and I love this woman. Yes. And then he says, that's the last time I ever saw her. It
1: also happens a lot more since we've been doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, if so, where I'm yes. like, this might, okay, yeah. I never, you know, never know. I never know what's going to happen.
0: Yeah. And so he says,
2: I went to my office. I was working all day. I had clients in from out of town all day long it was just radio silence i couldn't get a hold of her through email cell phone landline the nanny hadn't heard from her nobody was in contact with her and that was incredibly atypical there's an intuition that something really awful has happened
0: He's here with his friend Brian, and he and Brian had plans that night. But he's like, Brian, we got to go down to the village and like check on Adrian. Like, this is really weird that she's not answering. And Brian is saying that from the minute they got into the cab, Andy was like losing his mind.
1: Brian, Brian says to him in no uncertain terms, "Girl, you were a wreck. A total you were wreck. like a stressed yeah. out wreck." And Brian was trying to do the really good friend thing, yeah, trying to come up with the reasons why Andy <laughs> hasn't heard from Adrian, yeah, which everyone would like a hundred percent. Her fault. Pro- her internet went out in the building. Right. Like, internet was new. <laughs> what year? (laughs) 19, whatever, no, 2006. But just trying to do the friend thing. Like, it's totally going to be fine. We'll go to this event and try not to be too mad at her, right? Right. You know, or something. Just trying to, like, calm his nerves.
0: But he gets there, and Brian stays in the car, and Andy goes to the intercom. She's not answering, and he, like, runs up to her fourth floor office.
2: Went up to the fourth floor, banging on the door, calling her name, nothing. I tried the door, and it just popped open. And that's when the real panic set in. It was just palpable. it was just weird how the room was just still that you could just tell it was like there was evil in that room, really like that's what I felt. I felt that there had been a monster in that place
0: and I've had these kinds of feelings where you like walk into a room and you're like Evil was something just here. Just, something just something happened. Something really bad. Something bad happened. And then they don't tell us how he found her, and I think that he just doesn't want to describe it, which is fine. Which is fine. We are then to just assume that he finds her body in the bathroom, as we've heard of the news clips. Like they, they said that she was hanging by a towel from the shower rod. Yeah, and he calls down to Brian, and he's like, "Get up here, Adrian's dead."
1: Right. And then we meet Mark, her brother. Oh, there is a Mark. It's Adrian's oh, brother. Don't... That's who you were thinking of. <laughs> hey, Mark. And so Mark, her brother, and Elaine, her mother, who was in Elaine from. I- Long Island, if I've <laughs> ever met one. This was a time of her life. This was it. This is what she waited her la- whole life to have. And she's going to kill herself?
0: You got to give us some Elaine.
1: Elaine, well, oh, this was the best time of her life. This was it. Oh, she was beautiful. <laughs> Elaine says beautiful. If you need a cocktail to help get through this, totally. drink every time yes, Elaine says beautiful. beautiful. <laughs> but now, quick TCO note here. Yeah. So they have a lot of conversation about how Adrian would never take her own life. That yes. was just not her.
0: Because she was too happy and she was at the highest point of her life. We've been down this road a thousand times. Right. We are here to say that it's not a thing.
1: Right. It's not a thing. Like the whole, like, she'd never leave her kids. Don't yes. say that. That's not universal. But yes. what they're saying now, again, with hindsight being 2020, she was murdered. Yes. So there's a lot of conversation about everything was so great. She was so happy she would never do that. We know that that's not a thing. Yes. But that's what they're saying a lot of now because it turned out to be true for them right
0: because Andy sees a story about the murder in the post and saying it was a suicide and he calls the sixth precinct which by the way is the same precinct that oversaw the Stonewall riots whatever I can bring this this whole thing back look if we're gonna do an episode that takes place in the village I'm gonna talk about Stonewall what are we supposed to do and I'm gonna bring up the duplex (laughs) what what Sue me. <laughs> exactly. You guys knew what you were setting up for. <laughs> so he calls
1: the precinct that's handling the case, and the one detective on the case is gone for the weekend. Yeah.
0: Excuse me. Because he imagines that, like, there's 80 detectives working. So he's like, well, just give me someone else on the case. And they're like, bro, I know you don't want to hear this, but this was a suicide. So we're not working on this.
1: And also, nicer way to say that. Yeah, totally. Everyone at the sixth these, precinct. These cops
0: aren't known for
1: their bedside manner. Also, like, <laughs> gone for the weekend. I know. Have you ever, we run into cops like this all the time where it's, like yeah. what is a 501? I know. What are you gonna pay me overtime? It actually is 502. Oh my is it right god now? I my watch is 502. Witchy. So now
2: <laughs> it's almost like the grief and everything that I had been feeling just sort of like just just moved away and this other thing took over this like combat mode of like she's not here to fight for herself I've got to
0: fight for her.
1: Now Andy moves from sadness to anger.
0: And he says it happens like in an instant because, you know, I really like Andy a lot. He's very emotional and he loved Adrian a lot, but he says later, there was never any thought in his mind that he wouldn't get over this. And I don't mean stop caring about it, but he knew that he would survive. He's got a kid to take care of. Mm -hmm. He's got a life that he's got to live. And he is able to compartmentalize in a way that I would not be able to.
1: Right, because I think what he says is like, there's work to be done here. I have to work on the relationship with my daughter and work for Adrian and fight for her.
0: And in some sense, that's a little bit of a silver lining that he has something to put his energy into other than just grief.
1: Right. And so Andy's like, no, no, no. Six Precinct. Yeah. She did not kill herself. She was making plans for the weekend. Like he's trying to give yes. them proof about she was dropping things off at our daughter's school. Yep. She calls and emails. She's actively making plans. Then in walks Detective Jimmy Pigeon. <laughs> Jimmy says, everybody shut up. Jimmy's like, oh, Andy, I want to talk to you. Yeah.
2: I get a call from Detective Jimmy Piccione of Manhattan South Homicide. Can you come in and talk with us? He showed me photos of her apartment, of her desk, of her purse, her computer. And then he showed me a picture of the knot. And he asked me if she knew how to make a, a knot like that. And I told him, uh, no. And I got angry in that moment, I, and I said to him, I flipped it back and said, do, do you know how to make a knot like this? And he said, no.
1: Andy goes, who the fuck are you? No. Do you know how to make... Andy's like... (laughs) <laughs> incensed by this question because he's just like, no, she didn't know how to... And how do you even do... Like, what? It's, it was impossible to for her to tie it herself. And look,
0: like, why is it taking the civilian to tell that to the cops? How do you not know that?
1: I think a lot of people pass the buck on this case yes. because there are a lot of things where I'm like, you know when you could have found that out? Day one.
0: Right. There's a lot
1: of stuff that comes up later and I think people just weren't working it because of the assumptions that were made. It's That's
0: cra- what I think. Well, then we also meet Dr. Baden. He's the forensic pathologist who did the autopsy. I
2: remember... Getting the call from Baden that Saturday and hearing him say she fought like an animal. She had bruises on her body, a bruise on the face, the forehead, mostly the left side of the face, and uh, inju- injuries to her hands, uh, which would indicate a uh, struggle. We don't see that in suicides.
1: There was a struggle, and he's like, We don't see that in suicides. No. So you're right, Andy, yes. right? So now we're in good old Jericho, Long Island. <laughs> Adrian's childhood home and Sophie, her daughter's here, and Sophie's 15.
0: This is very sad. Sophie is fucking amazing. I hope that Daisy turns out like her. She's very self aware. She's She's like a cool She's She's just like her mother. Very, she's very much like her mother. But I gotta say, the dad is like, they're going through a yearbook, and he's like, you know, you're almost the same age now as she was in this picture in in her yearbook from like ninth grade. Ninth grade, Adrian looks like a 48 year old woman. She looks like a supermodel. (laughs) Yes, she does. But like Adrian has like mature features, but it was the way that they dressed in the early '90s, late '80s, or with the that big hair pads. and the shoulder. So like this sixteen-year-old girl who's just like a year or two younger than her mother in this photo, they look like they are twenty-nine years apart in right. age.
1: She's like, thanks, I, with Question that like teeth
0: blown-out. I
1: know. <laughs> Look, the looks back then. Who knows what people are going to say about us? in oh, God, However many years, but I have to say now, with from where I'm sitting, the they were doing nothing for anybody. Those no. looks, the fashion, and watching the Golden Girls. Now Mike is watching Golden Girls of every night with me, of
0: course, because he's God, this smart. This is the gayest episode of TCO. All pretty gay,
1: time. gayer than the lesbian <laughs> episode where I came out as Mike. Could we? Get, we didn't think we could get any gayer. No, here but we, here are. we are, and Mike is hysterical. You know, he loves it. But he's just like the way they talk about themselves on the Golden yes. Girls. Like they're 54 and they. <laughs> Acts like they're 90. I they're know, all 98. I know. And the outfits never I, help. I and sometimes, like, Dorothy's coming out ready for a date, and Mike's like, and that? And I'm like, all right, <laughs> Sophia. Pipe down. They used to
0: really dress up back in the day. A lot of times, Dorothy's outfits have, like, a bow tie. They
1: have a bow tie, but they're also, like, the waistlines were very flapper-like, yes. where they're all the way, way down, like, midway through her thigh, and everyone's like, yes. woo, woo, the live studio audience. <laughs> It was, and again, they're like young women, like
0: fifty-two, fifty-four, it's true. It's true. and they're like, "Oh God, a woman of my age." Meanwhile, all of their husbands have been dead for twenty years. Like, wait, Those what? guys like died in their late 30s. And it's
1: like, did everything happen last week or twenty years ago? Like, what's happening? Oh, God. They're fifty-four. I know. It's wild. The eighties did nothing for no. anybody. Joe, Joe. Nothing was helpful. Bottom line, bottom the line, the hair was crazy. The, bottom line, lots of cocaine and Joe. lots of hairspray. So Elaine, her mother, is talking about the day Adrian was born. This is one of her many, oh, she was beautiful. <laughs> the day she was born was beautiful. She was so beautiful. That chubby little face, those cheeks, that little mouth, beautiful eyes. She was beautiful. And she looked exactly like Shelly, my first husband. In the exact same face. So, of course, my husband was thrilled. Adrian looked exactly like Elaine's first husband, Shelly, and so yeah. that's, she took that name to be her stage name, her professional name, Adrian Shelley. But <laughs> Elaine's like, oh, oh, guys and dolls, the first play, oh, it was so cute. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait a second. I
0: know, I she know. She was
1: doing guys and dolls five years old in kindergarten? Come on. Sit, they... down, sit,
0: down, sit, down, sit, down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Five years old? Like, they do maim in middle schools. You've got like, you've got 13-year-olds. those
1: notes in if five were a bell?
0: Laura Benanti. She won an award for it when she was in high school.
1: Orphaned, five years old in kindergarten. (laughs) Who's singing Adelaide's lament as a (laughs) five-year-old? From lack of community property and a feeling she's getting too
2: old, a person can develop a bad, bad
1: love. A poison. Anyway. (laughs) Is doing bits like that.
0: I don't know, but you are such a gay man today. <laughs>
1: So Shelly, Adrian's father, dies of a sudden heart attack. Adrian was 12. She was at sleepaway camp. And Elaine is very old school here. And it's like, you know, she says a lot of things where I'm like, Elaine, get with it. But she's like, Adrian, you know, she got into a funk. Adrian was going through it. Her dad had died. She was struggling with mortality. She was
0: sad. And today she was like, she had a real attitude, real chip (laughs) on her shoulder. She was really in a funk. And I'm like, she was in a funk? (laughs) Yeah, she also, we're going to find out Later, learned that her dad died because her mom left the obituary on the counter. No yeah. one told her the obituary told her.
1: That would put me in a funk, totally. Elaine. Totally. <laughs> At the very least, I'd be in a bit of a funk. At 12. There's also something. This is where my not-a-mother is showing. Yes. Because when Sophie was little, three years old, yes. Andy wrote out verbatim the conversations that they had about Adrian. I really miss mommy.
2: I know, sweetie. What made you think of that just now?
0: I just miss being with her. It makes me cry. We used to do stuff together, and I miss her.
2: I know. I wish I could have saved her. It's so unfair.
0: Especially to me, because everybody else has a mommy and I don't. I wonder what it's like to have a mom. Can I just pause? Yes, I want to break please, in here for please, one please, second. Please. He says that he does it because he doesn't want to forget them. Yes. And as a parent, I fucking get it. And yes. his memory, unless he's taking dictation in the moment, he's writing down exactly their conversation. And like, conversations with three-year-olds are very short. Five-year-olds, eight-year-olds, they're quick.
1: And they have to be blunt. And yes. I understand that.
0: Yes. And I just want to say, there is no roadmap for how you talk to a kid about a death of a parent, especially a murder. Andy was making it up as he went, and I have just a, a Lot of respect for him and what he did.
1: I could not agree with you more. Yeah. My issue is that I am hearing it and that I know about it.
0: I can understand sprinkling in some of it because you want to show it, and if Sophie's okay with it, then I get it. They go back to these throughout the documentary, and they were so sad to me yes. that I had to skip them. I mean, at one point I was like, "That's the one I called you." and Was like, yeah. "I don't know if I can do this."
1: Yeah, it feels like I shouldn't be hearing that. It feels too personal. It feels like I walked in on something, or like you yeah. know, someone's like, "Here, read this diary," and I'm like, "No,
0: it's yeah. not. It's not for <laughs> right. my eyes or Meanwhile, my ears." I'm like. Give it to me. Whose
1: diary is this? Right. But I'm just, I, it felt very like, ooh, and I was uncomfortable about it and I didn't know why. And then you and I talked about it. It's like, because I'm seeing it and hearing it, it feels like it should be their conversations and their moments.
0: Yep. And if they decided together to include it, that's fine. Great. It was just too sad for me. I literally couldn't do it.
1: And I will own that that's my shit. If it's making me uncomfortable for my reasons, then like, fine. That's and Andy, if me. you're
0: listening and this is your first episode, first of all, welcome to True Crime Obsessed, the patreon.com slash True Crime Obsessed. There are other gay episodes too. This <laughs> is the only gay. Episode, episode. Andy. I have an eight-year-old daughter. So, like, yes. I, was, I don't know how you survived. Yeah. I really don't know. I have a dog.
1: Uh, <laughs> I love her dearly. But, yeah.
0: Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I will say, in this moment, Andy describes one of the conversations that he had. And this is the only one I'm going to do. But he says, like,
2: Mommy died. Her body stopped working. She's not coming home anymore. And then I remember she walked over to the window. and She just stared out the window. And I was beside her she just turned to me and said mommy died she's not coming back and i said nope she's not coming back and she just stared right out the window
0: and that was it the heartbreak of that yes. from Andy.
1: The fact that Sophie's so much like her mother means that she was sort of wise beyond her years, even 100%. at three. That's yeah. what I'm gathering yep. from this, too. Yep. And speaking of Adrian, we learn from another childhood friend, Carrie, Adrian could just do shit. Yes. She was one of those women who, she could just, like, play the piano. Yes. No lessons. <laughs> totally. She could just, like, belt yes. the fuck out of a note. No <laughs> <laughs> lessons. She could just, like, kill it. She was a belter. She had a powerful voice. She could just, like, do it.
0: I have this note that we see a video of her in ninth grade playing the piano. She looks like she's 40. She looks it's like a 40-year-old. Ash- it's what the acid-washed jeans and the jacket, hair. and that hair that's just like the mall bangs Why that did are everything like everything had to be so big, like I the shoulder pads know. and the hair. I don't know. Endless. She was like such a beautiful young woman, but she in high school she looks older than she ever looks later in the movie. Ever? Yes, <laughs> you know? yes. She's like
1: beautifully makeupless yeah. and just like throughout the movie, like as we see her growing up, and I'm like the '80s again. did it's nobody just, any favors. I know. And I think just... it was still the '90s. It was still like crossover. <laughs> anyway, Melissa, the BFF, says. Adrian went to BU, yes. and then she dropped out during her junior year to move to New York City to be an actress. And she called Melissa first, and she's yeah. like, Melissa, I'm going to tell my mom that I'm dropping out of college to be an actress in New York. What and do you think?
0: She, because she was, like, scared and sad, like she was having a really hard time, and she says, New York has given me much in the four months I've lived here. It has virtually ended the long depression sessions, which were
2: once a signature characteristic. It has taught me a lot about myself that I wouldn't have learned, not for a while, without it.
0: And that is everybody's story. Like, everybody who, like, moved here and stayed here, like, that. that's all of us. Yeah, you know? but I
1: have to say, I know some people who moved here and were like, can I do it? Am yeah. I going to do it? Sometimes yeah. it's not that easy. So if you if
0: you hundred
1: pack everything up in your car and you drive yeah. from Columbus, Ohio or whatever after Obsess Fest,
0: and yeah. it's, like, kind of rough for a couple months, that's okay. Or a couple of years, that's Look, okay. Look, the first year I lived here, I tried to leave a hundred times. I, I was too poor to move out of New York, you know? Oh God, but yeah. I'm just saying that, like, it warmed my heart to hear. She had been sad. She was in college. She didn't want to do it anymore more, she took a leap, she moved yes. to New York and then she was so happy. And
1: she feels rejuvenated, yes. it's exactly what she wanted and and really, and she's also putting in the work, which yes. is hard, people could say like, I want to like be discovered, that shit doesn't happen anymore, No, it doesn't happen, so she's pounding the pavement, she's sending the headshots out, she's going on auditions and almost immediately she gets a starring role in a movie called The Unbelievable Truth directed by Hal Hartley, who is here with us today
0: Yeah, and I had never heard of this movie, which kind of surprised me because it looks like exactly the kind of movie I would
1: like. <laughs> Like a cult indie film from 1989? How is it not your... Oh, because River Phoenix isn't in it.
0: (laughs) It's not Heathers. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: It's not Stand By Me.
0: I hardly
2: remember directing her at all because once I cast her, I just didn't have to worry about her at all. She always knew her lines. She was always funny in the right way. She was consistent. She was perfect to that role.
0: And we just got these stories about how, like, she was just, like, this badass young woman who was, like, making it happen, and she just keeps getting movies. Like, she's in a movie called Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even. In
1: 1990, she was in Trust, also directed by Hal Hartley, and then they say that Adrian was Hal's muse, and now I can't hear the word muse without going, you know, I was Josh Safdie's muse when he wrote Uncut Jams, you know, like, things like that.
0: <laughs> Wait, what is that?
1: <laughs> Uncut Jams. It's some, it's that woman, that viral TikTok thing. <laughs> From some podcast, and there she's like Kanye's new girlfriend or something. Oh. Uncut Jams. <laughs> it's like a whole. It was like the fame. It was the thing on that everyone on TikTok was doing for two days, and now nobody cares about it anymore. So by the time you hear this, it'll be two months old. Am
0: I so old that I just like? It took me years to get into Instagram, and now I like that. And like, I feel like I'm gonna be getting into TikTok when everyone else is like moving to the moon.
1: Yeah, basically. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you don't know Uncut Jams right now, yeah. then like, no you are lost. lost And also you don't have the time for TikTok because I don't. you are scrolling and then you look up and I'm like is it 7:30 at night? <laughs> have I been doing this is it dark out
0: now? Oh my god so, Adrian becomes an indie darling. Yes. And, like, a, sort of like a, like a young, hot feminist.
1: And she worked steadily. Check out her IMDb. Yes. Like,
0: she was working a lot. But we're going to take a quick detour and talk about what a slob she was. Well,
1: do you feel a little seen? I feel so I seen. thought maybe, I was like, I don't think he's crying at this part. No. Because I think he's no. looking in a mirror. You know, maybe her place wasn't the neatest. You know, she was a little sloppy. Is that a serious question? We weren't allowed in Adrian's room. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's
2: funny. That's, that's very funny. Well, I wasn't allowed in Adrian's yeah. apartment when I met her. Yeah. Literally. Probably
1: for the same reason. For the reason. same reason. Yeah? And the
2: crazy thing is Sophie is exactly like her. Oh, wow. Literally.
1: Even her husband is like, the first month we were dating, I didn't see her apartment. <laughs> no. She just didn't let me
0: in. But she also wanted to start an eBay business. Can I tell you how many times I thought about starting an eBay business? But you were too busy starting the daycare. That never <laughs> panned out that daycare was open for an entire week well great I'm writing a whole chapter about it in my book it's the first chapter that's getting written <laughs> funny chapter everybody because you know why why because it's just it's part of your soul now <laughs> It's like,
1: you know, they say, write what you know. Exactly. You, don't know that, you know that story more than anything else. Like,
0: I got to tell you, though, the whole idea of, like, wandering around the East Village and finding cool lamps and then selling them on eBay, it's a good idea, Adrian.
1: I agree. And the thing is, like, she wants to do shit. She
0: does it. She wanted yeah. to, like, sell lamps
1: for a while so, until she was yes. sick of it. She did it. So, There's something so yes. inspiring about that as, like, a woman in New York City just, like, making shit for yourself happen. It's incredible. It's
0: fucking incredible. And
1: then suddenly now, so we're learning, like, she's an introvert and she's like, shut away from for days and days to write and she's planning all this stuff and then suddenly the timeline isn't very clear here but seemingly very soon after Adrian is found dead, the cops arrest the guy who killed her. And I'm like, wait, what? I have whiplash.
0: Yeah, they arrest this guy. His name is Diego Pilco. Pilco had been renovating an apartment in the Greenwich Village building where the 40-year-old actress had her office.
1: Diego Pilco was arrested after police allegedly matched his sneaker footprint to one found in the bathtub where Shelly was found hanging from a bed sheet tied to the shower curtain rod. Now, we're going to get into that in a minute. Yeah. but. Now we're outside Diego Pilco's old residence in yes. Brooklyn, and we're meeting with Irma Rivera Duffy, who's a retired New York City police detective. You know what I said the minute we saw Irma? What? Oh, thank God, a woman's here. <laughs> Finally! All those detectives who were like, I'm gone for the weekend, bro. I'm not looking, I'm not caring about this murder.
0: Yeah, and she's got a good story to tell. She's telling us that Detective Jimmy, when they went to the crime scene, Jimmy saw some like construction dust on the door of Adrian's apartment. And they were like, hey, is there any construction? happening in the building. They're like, oh yeah, actually in the apartment downstairs and they go downstairs and open the door and that's where they see a sneaker print in the dust that matches a bloody sneaker print in the tub in Adrian's apartment.
1: But we also learned that the first cops quote, questioned everyone in the building and no dice, no answers. So I'm like, I feel like you could have found that out when you quote, questioned everyone that first day.
0: Because Irma is saying were it not for that footprint, this guy would have gotten away with this. It would have been listed as a suicide.
1: So suddenly Irma is telling us how she got Diego to crack. Yeah. At some point, I noticed
2: that he kept looking, playing with a prayer card. Like, he kept using this prayer card and you could tell that he was praying. And I said to him, do you have any children? He says he didn't have any children. I said, do you have any nieces or nephews? He says, as a matter of fact, I have, my sister has a couple of kids. I have like four nieces and nephews. I believe it was four. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, I go, you know, the lady that, the lady that died upstairs, you know, She had a two-year-old daughter. So then I said, you know something in life sometimes when you you do something wrong, God doesn't punish you. He punishes someone in your family. And at that point, he puts his head down and he comes back up. He goes, okay, I did it.
1: Wait for the beat. She holds. Wait for it. Diego puts his head down lifts his head back up, and he's like, right, okay, fine, I, did, I it. did it. Irma threatened the wrath
0: of God <laughs> on his fucking two-year-old. Irma, savage. <laughs> she literally do said, do you want I the know. two-year-old to live, Diego? I know. Confess. And she doesn't even want to take credit for it. She just did it. She's
1: like, oh, th- I, that was nothing. I just got him to confess. I just invoked the wrath of God on
0: a two-year-old. It's really nothing. She also says after that, when she was like driving home, she said she felt the hairs on the back of her neck stand up, Yeah, and she thought that it was Adrian saying thank you to her for like, giving closure to the family.
1: But then it's like, well, why did Diego kill her? Like, how did this right. even happen? Right. So- Diego says, at first, his first story is...
0: This is the part of the story I remember. Because every day in the newspaper, it would change. And I was, like, following it.
1: Yeah. So his first story is that Adrian complained about all the noise from the construction. Yeah. And so she went downstairs and slapped Diego across the face. Right. Which is like, no, she didn't. No, she didn't. Diego, sweetheart, (laughs) absolutely not. So then his story changed that he was trying to rob her. Yeah. And she fought back. And so then the timeline here with the case specifically is really murky because suddenly we're talking about how andy makes a deal with this guy
0: yeah and i think to spare everyone a trial the deal that he gets everyone to agree to is that diego gets 25 years no parole no appeal no early release guaranteed and he's saying to us now
2: at the time it seemed like a really good deal but now that he's much closer to being out it starts to really feel like has no sentence she died She died a horrible death at the age of 40, and he'll be 45 when he's out. Like, so that 25 years is going to go by real quick.
1: Like, when you're on the outside, 25 years goes by faster than you think.
0: Yeah, because he's like, you know, he killed her when she was 40. He's going to get out when he's 45. And he's got the whole rest of his life ahead of him.
1: Right. And that's when Andy goes, I started to think about meeting him maybe like a year after she died. I'm like, Andy, you what? I
0: know. You what? I know. That's when I screamed too because it was like, yeah. But like, I'm like that too. I feel like I would want to meet the guy too.
1: Right. Because, and also like, what is the truth, Diego? Right. You're the only person who knows the truth and that's what Andy really wants here.
0: And I got to say, we, he like writes him a letter. We hear some of the letter and then we get the footage of him going into the post office and like mailing the letter and I loved that. And then I yeah. th- Uh, Girl, Stamps.com is back. (laughs) Andy, you didn't have to
1: do that. You didn't have to wait online at the post office.
0: That one was free, Stamps.com. Yeah, you're welcome.
1: I have to say, I'm yeah. sure Andy, you get more bees with honey, right? Totally. But, so then we're back to a little bit more of Adrian's career. And it's 1996. She makes a movie called Sudden Manhattan.
0: Her mother is in it. And her look, when you got a it. mother like that, you got to give her a little character part
1: in your movie. And is it ever?
0: <laughs> she makes a movie called Lois Lives a Little. Joy Behar is in it.
1: Look, I'm. G- <laughs> Of course, you caught that with Judy Gold. Yes. And an uncredited Joy Behar. It's not even on our IMDb. She's not even credited. Now, Joy Behar has got to get a grip on a whole fucking lot of things. I, I also have it on good authority that she's not very nice no. to the people backstage at the View. Yeah, are I've, you shocked?
0: I've heard that too. I kind of always love Joy Behar because she's the one who gives Megan McCain the most shit.
1: Yeah, but Joy Behar is trash. I know.
0: She's got it. She's they really got have, to get a grip. Everyone's got to pull it together over at the View. What is happening over there?
1: The bubble. They all. Live in. They don't have to know which end is up those women. I know. God.
0: I, I do. The view is a cultural phenomenon. I love it. It
1: is bizarre.
0: I still sometimes will get on the YouTube to just watch oh, the I Elizabeth Hasselbeck that. rosie O'Donnell fight.
1: I love that you say that like you've never told me that before. I you've know. told me that 30 times. 30 million times. If you told me that you guys, once, you've told me that, that a thousand times. that fight
0: is intense. It's Rosie's amazing. in great form. It's amazing. I gotta say, even Elizabeth, like at least has the courage of her convictions. Holds her own. She does. For, for a little. And I gotta say too, oh, I hate that I'm in this, the dress Elizabeth is wearing in that is fucking gorgeous. What is it? I don't, I don't know remember. who knows the designer, but it's just this beautiful... I
1: didn't ask the designer. I asked what it looked like. The designer. It's like this
0: beautiful flowy summer dress. She looks like a million bucks. I oh, hate Oh, was it her. in the summer? Yeah. Dummy. I know.
1: <laughs> Joy Behar, put this fucking little indie film on your IMDb. It'll exactly. do wonders for your career. Get off the view and keep your
0: mouth shut. I'm sorry. Joy. Well, I guess we're not getting invited on the view anytime soon. <laughs>
1: At the time of her death, Adrian was making a documentary about happiness. Which, okay, all right. Most importantly, though, so she's going around New York City asking people about happiness.
0: And Andy has the footage. Like, this is one yes. of the things he found was this, like, trove of footage.
1: And she's, like, giving yo-yos to the people she speaks to. It's <laughs> yes. very quirky. She wants to
0: find, like, the happiest person in New York.
1: Manic pixie dream girl, like, she totally, is that personified. Yeah. But she's standing in front of Ollie's in Times Square. Yes. Now, Ashley, my best friend Ashley, and I used to go to Ollie's, all of the time. It sounds weird. They had the best white rice and they had the best scallion <laughs> pancakes, but it's like right on 42nd. So we, like rent was on 41st and 7th. So Ollie's was like a really quick, cheap. They were super yeah, rude. Yeah, yeah. They wanted you out of there before your coat was off because it was right in, in Times Square. But like she talks about how she and her ex were like chose that restaurant yes. to break up in and now she can't go there again. <laughs> yes. But Ollie's isn't there anymore. And it was such for me, it was such a bl- I was like, oh my God, Ollie's. Like that meant that restaurant meant a lot to me and Ashley in high school. That's It's the best
0: part about these documentaries that, like, take place in old New York? Yes. Or, like, older New York? Because you're like, oh, my God. Old New York.
1: (laughs) No, old New York is, like, Gangs in New York. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's old New York. Finally, Andy gets a letter back from Diego in prison.
0: And Diego's the killer.
1: Diego's the killer. And he's like, I'm very—Diego says, Andy? Yeah. Shocked to hear from you.
0: I sobbed, because I thought this letter—like, this guy is trash, but, like, I I thought this was a beautiful letter.
2: Dear Mr. Ostroy, I don't know how to start this letter. I'm surprised that you want to talk to me. I also would like to talk with you. I'm very underlined, very ashamed of myself for what I did to you and your family when I was a teenager, ashamed for the pain I caused you and your daughter and the rest of your family. I'll carry this guilt and remorse for the rest
0: of my life.
1: I'm terrified to meet you. Yeah. But... Yeah, let's he do says, it. He says, like, can
0: you please let me know when you're coming if you know? Because I'm very scared and I want to be prepared. Yeah, I want to prepare mentally. Yeah.
1: And all Andy hears is like, yes, we can meet. He doesn't think it's a beautiful letter. He's no. just like, I just heard yes and I'm off to the prison.
0: I was sobbing because I was like, this was all so senseless. I know. He's like, this kid is remorseful at least. This woman is dead. This family is ruined. This was where one of the times I was crying the hardest because I was like, this just didn't have to happen. I was also saying, am I a monster For not crying like this for every documentary that we do, (laughs) like why was I so moved by this one?
1: First of all, you didn't sleep last night. That's true. Second of all, when you did, you had nightmares about Daisy. (laughs) I did. You were on edge. You were round like a top all day. (laughs) Let's put like context matters. (laughs) And I always uh, say, you can't pick your triggers. They I know. happen. And sometimes, like, you, this was just the perfect storm for you today, honestly. It was. It really, it, you were like. It I was, cried all it was,
0: day. Hysterical. I called you sobbing.
1: Hysterical. And again, not a puff in sight on those eyes. <laughs> what is your, get Paul Rudd on
0: the phone. You two have to make a skincare line. Jesus, Christmas. I mean, it's very tense. Andy gets to the prison, and he walks into the room, and the killer is already sitting there, and Andy doesn't look at him, and he doesn't look at Andy. There's an interpreter there. Very awkward. Awkward. I mean, oh God. Maybe the most awkward day of work oh, she's had in a yeah. while.
1: I should hope so because yeah. this is pretty bad.
0: He says to us in the car before he goes in. I'm not coming
2: here because I need to beat him up. just want him to be honest, you know. I want him to shed light on stuff and I want him to acknowledge what he did and who he took and the consequence of that. Funny if everything I said just goes out the window and I fly into some fucking rage, I have to be carted out of there.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, are they going to restrain me? Like, I I don't know. So, and he says like he just wants Diego to acknowledge what he did, who he took, and he wants to humanize Adrian for Diego. Now, I Diego doesn't need that, but Andy needs it. Yes, like Diego is very aware of what he did. He's he killed somebody. Yes, but Andy, like this is all about Andy and what he needs and his grieving and his trauma. So it's been 13 years since Adrian died, and Diego can't look at him. No. And they're sitting across the table, yeah. and Andy says, I'm not here to attack you. And that's when Diego finally gets the courage to look up and look this guy in the eyes.
0: We, yeah, because Andy says, I need to know what happened, and I need to know why. And we get this Pilco guy's story. He says he came to this country owing $13,500. We get
1: no context about this at all. Was because it the, who like You cares? Yeah. You I, know but, what I mean? I still would like to know was it like a cartel? I'm just I'm a curious yeah. I want uh, the details. No, it's okay that you care. i <laughs> I just want like how does this guy come into the country with all this debt I just want to know like I just want to know I'm curious and he says
0: that his mother put her house up so he could come here and he was trying to find a way to send money home and he starts working on apartments as like a day laborer to make extra money he's also
1: robbing the apartments in the buildings he's working on
0: exactly to get more money
1: so when he was sent to work in Adrian's building on his lunch break he was just sort of like scouting the building for empty apartments and he puts the ear to Adrian's door to see if anyone's in there and like the door opened.
0: Like, it's the same thing that happened with Andy. Yeah, like, yeah. can we get that lock fixed? The door just, like, popped open.
2: I was afraid
0: that I was going to get caught, but then I saw a bag.
2: So
0: when I took out the money, I put the bag back in, and that's when the lady came out and she ran after me.
2: When she to me,
0: when she started yelling at me. The only word that I heard that she said was police. Like he's saying that she's screaming at him I'm going to call the police I'm going to call the police.
1: I'm sure she was just like get the fuck back here I'm calling the cops. Like that seems totally reasonable to me. And he says
0: I don't know though it's kind of like I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, Daisy, don't do that. Let him go. Let him have the money. Yeah. You know what I mean? If she did, I
1: would believe it. If she didn't, I'd believe yeah, it. Like yeah. for her to say, like, get back here. Okay, fine. Well, like, I don't know.
0: He's looking for a justification for why he quote lost his mind. Oh, right, which because ridiculous. like he says that like all of a sudden he was imagining the cops and being deported and whatever. And to get her to be quiet, he puts one hand over her mouth and one hand around her neck. Because he says that she's on the phone. She's going to call the cops.
1: So he grabs her. Look, after it's 350
0: like, episodes of this fucking podcast, can we say I don't think you can strangle somebody with one hand. Like I think right. we know how hard it is to strangle somebody to death. Yeah,
1: like he was choking her and then covering her mouth so she wouldn't make noise, and then he like he lets go and realizes that he'd cut off her airflow. Because he and says that her like her. face turned
0: blue, and no, it didn't. No, it, it didn't. It doesn't happen that fast. No. Okay, now I'm getting mad. And right. like, who knows? Like, he probably relives this moment every minute of his life, and he's turned it into something. And who knows how much of this is real? And I almost don't want to hear. Like, I know Andy needs to know what happens, but I don't want to hear the explanation
1: and I don't think this is it because he said he's like her
0: her lips were
2: blue
0: then I thought oh I killed her and I took her to the
2: bathroom and
1: then I hung her like as she committed suicide
2: did you think you got you got away with it
1: yes now hold on a second I know that Adrian was petite. She was. They yes. all say it. She yes. was. Very, she was a a tiny woman ish. Diego's not this gigantic guy. No,
0: especially back then. Like you see, like the he's images. A like he's a little guy. Yeah. And, he's a
1: t- and they make it. He's getting out when he's forty five, right? Yes. He was a kid when this happened. To lift someone up and hang like a dead body. I'm yeah. sorry to be. Blunt about it. But that seems very hard for a 19-year-old to do by himself. Yes. To hang her like that and tie her, that seems kind of impossible. This is, I know Andy went for the truth. He did not get it. No. He didn't get and, the truth. You know,
0: and 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 the thing about Andy in this moment too is that he looks dissatisfied. Andy, I am with you. And I think that Andy had the forethought to know that no matter what he thought was gonna he was gonna get out of this, it wasn't gonna be satisfying in the way that he needed. Yeah. And we're seeing that happen to him. Because at one point he just like he starts putting pictures down on the table.
2: I want to show you some pictures. You took a wife. You took someone who I was madly in love with. You took a mother. That's my daughter with her mom. They don't have anything anymore. And they had everything.
0: He's showing her pictures and their wedding and and I'm sobbing. And Pilko, the killer, is kind of like sitting there. And eventually Andy just says, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. I'm right. done. Get me out of this room. Right. And I thought he was going to forgive him and he doesn't. He doesn't. And you can just see how upset Andy is. He did not get out of this moment what he wanted. I think that if he wanted to do it, I understand why he did. He probably knew he wasn't going to get what he wanted, but it was a very real sad, hard moment.
1: Yeah, because Andy, as he's, I think he's realizing I'm not getting anything out of this by showing all the pictures of everything he took away because when Andy goes, all right, I'm done. Diego says again, I'm sorry. And it's like Andy doesn't, uh, maybe he didn't actually hear it, but it just went right through him like he's not there for that.
0: And then the most awkward moment of the entire thing, the interpreter is left in the room alone with Andy. Oh. Uh, what he's do you make small,
1: What are they? What are they, Maggie and Art? Oh, like making small talk? Like,
0: uh She like doesn't know what to do, so she starts rubbing his back with those windshield wiper thumbs. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the straight bro. They're there. Oh, They're
1: yeah. there, there.
0: Oh, it's so sad.
1: And it ends with Paul Rudd, like most of these documentaries should, if I may.
0: Right. <laughs> the majority of people that are going to see that show every day coming from all different walks of life. They don't know her story. They don't even know what the deal is behind Waitress. And judging it completely on its own merits, and having an incredible experience as an artist, that's the best we can hope for. In that regard, what an incredible thing she's done.
1: He has a very specific satisfaction knowing that Waitress is all over Midtown. Yeah. He's
0: like, she fucking did it. We're back to the musical, and it's very, like, satisfying to, like, hear the music. It's, like, what every <laughs> artist hopes
1: for. Like, she yeah. made this thing, this, like, indie cult hit with Carrie Russell. I know. <laughs> Sarah Morales <laughs> writes the music for it. She's all, she's, like, a sensation. Yeah. Whether people know her name or not, I'm sorry, Andy. Like, she's a success. Like, what she made was really beautiful and inspired so many people to become this thing. And can I
0: say one more thing before we go? Sure. Sure. I'm ready for Andy to start dating again.
1: Do you have anyone in mind? Maybe. But, like, I'm just saying we learned that
0: Adrian was his third wife, Andy.
1: I know. She even said she was like, who knew my soulmate was divorced with all these kids? And I I'm know. like, good for you, Adrian. But the
0: thing is, like, he's such a good man. He did this for his daughter and for himself and for Adrian to, like, cement her legacy so everybody would know. And I'm like, can you please go give those gifts? Like, share that in your life if you want it, Andy. I'm ready for you to start dating again. I think Sophie would be fine.
1: I was going to say, you know who they got to get through, Sophie. I know. Sophie of Approval, or she's walking. <laughs> That's it. And look, I just want Sophie to like me. <laughs> she's one of the. I just. I'm really. Sophie is. Am I, am I okay? okay? Do you like me? Are we get Sophie. Or am, will she? Is she like nothing towards me? I'll take. <laughs> I'll take a nothing. I just don't want her to not like me. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Sophie, call me.
0: Oh my God, you guys, we did Adrian. I really wanted to do this one and I just cried all day. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, and I regret it. No, it's a really good documentary. It's just sad and hard. It's
1: Dear Zachary. You know, yes. it's that kind of vibe to me.
0: You guys, so many things. Come to Obsessed Fest. It's our first ever Obsessed Network family weekend. We're all staying at the Hyatt Regency in Columbus, Ohio. Go to ObsessFest.com for the link to book your tickets. We're all going to be there. We're bringing in the Obsessed Network hosts and we're doing live shows all weekend, and meetups, and panels. We're bringing in outside hosts, of people that that are just our friends that we love and want to spend the weekend with? Yeah, it's gonna be a mess, but in the best way. In the best way. Right. Karaoke for days.
1: For days. I mean, this is where I thrive.
0: And drag brunch. Drag and drag brunch. brunch, you guys.
1: Can we just make it feel like we're at the duplex?
0: Yes. Totally. Great. Right. Let's just make it a fucking gay weekend. <laughs> totally. It's gonna be the gayest weekend ever. Let's go. Also, come see us on tour. We're hitting Boston, Chicago, LA, and Seattle. That's right. Not in that
1: order. Not in that
0: order. I um, mean, we're playing Broadway April 11th, girl. Right. If you got your tickets and you can't make it, get to the Facebook group and get them to somebody who can.
1: And that's gonna be pretty. Gay
0: too. That's gonna be pretty. You have gay my word. <laughs> Girl, what are we doing next? Oh God, are you ready? Two yeah. words. Okay. Kim? Sweet. Oh, no. What is it? It's Keep Sweet. <laughs> is that it's what it's called? It's a documentary called Keep
1: Sweet. <laughs> Man, that joke tanked <laughs> just now. I just... Wait, is it about what's his name? It's about the people who still believe in what's his name and a little bit of what's his what name. What is it's his name? It's Jeffs. Oh, yeah. It's just, uh, it's about people in the in the cult and they are mad at us for calling them out for being in a cult. Oh, great. I have feelings.
0: Remember the people at the Branch Davidians who were like jumping out of the windows and then running back in yeah. as the place was burning to the ground?
1: Yeah. Just like let that. us
0: save you. Just let us save you.
1: Yeah, and I have some words for the filmmakers. I'm okay. j- it's emotional. <laughs> I'm not going to be happy next week, so stay tuned. For oh my that.
0: god! All right, so stay tuned for the trailer for Keep Sweet. Our hilarious and amazing outtakes. That's right. And we'll see you next
1: right. week. Yeah, we'll see you soon. That I can't. Uh, that'll be pretty
0: gay too. Yeah,
1: it's a pretty gay podcast. Sure. <laughs> it is pretty. Gay. Can we just say as far it's pretty gay? It's not not gay.
0: It's not not gay. You know. Goodbye.
2: <laughs> we were always taught we were special. We got to come to this special place, and we were going to build like a heaven on earth here.
1: We had joyful lives. We were safe, and we were happy.
2: And that's when everything really started to change.
0: We were taught everybody was our enemy. And there, it was Warren Jeffs that did it. We had to pull
1: all the children out of public school. And, you know, sending men away. There's not anything about this community that Warren Jeffs left intact.
0: And also, Adrienne loved to dress up her little brother in, like, costumes, right. like little, like a little doll. The dad was not a fan of that. Not a fan. The dad did Let's not like to dress up for down. the little boy. This is the gay episode. <laughs> totally. Dylan. It's the gay episode. Adrian made another movie that Ali Sheedy is in.
1: Yes, a, a post-Breakfast Club Ali Sheedy.
0: Yeah, a very post-Breakfast Club. <laughs> like 15 years post. Oh, really? Post-Post. <laughs> <Well, is> post. <laughs> what
1: does it matter? This office is on a block. It's one of those weird places on yes. the west side where it's like five corners intersecting, yes. which I know you're thinking, she's not making any sense. Yeah. I'm not, but neither does this. And she's like not getting a part because quote Mr. Potato Head doesn't like her tits and I'm like is that Harvey Weinstein? I mean it must. It be. had to, I mean there's a lot of Harvey shade here which I'm here for, like yeah, to fucking burn him down. But I think Mr. Potato Head that fits. I mean who
0: else could it possibly be? Right. Although any it could any man I guess.
1: Like on a casting count yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah
0: men yeah, are yeah, trash yeah.
1: for the most part. So except Andy who's making this and like <laughs> a couple of others <laughs> that you and I happen to personally know are great on the up and up. Hence they like the Golden Girls <laughs> as their <our> husbands. <laughs>